Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami. Big day. Here we are again. I know. I'm excited to be back. We just came from our spring meeting in Amelia Island, Florida, on an island with members from 19 states. And guess what? It was in person, man. It was so exciting. There's such a vibe. If my voice sounds a little strange today. I can hear it in your voice, dude. It's because it was like being at one of the most exciting things I've been to in 18 months. And I talked my tail off for four days with people. That's that's weird. I wouldn't expect that out of you. Tom, I can see you right now. I can see you at, I'll bet it was 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And I can see you bouncing up and down, lights everywhere in some club. Where did you say you were? We were in Amelia Island, Florida. Yeah, there's some there's some club. There's some club and you're bouncing up and down and everybody's wearing masks, probably or not. All right. So Tom not he's shaking his (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to think about that. So uh Tom, we have a a friend of the family here today. Uh his name is David Coriel, and he is one of the founders of Delcor and Delcor. Hey, hey David, welcome. Dave, Tom, good to see you too. I'm excited to be here because this guy I've watched and followed for many years, met him at ASAE a number of years ago. And I, I mean, he, he wasn't there. He's not the godfather of technology, but he's darn near close, man. This guy's got it going on. I always love to hear what he has to say. I yeah. see what you're doing. You're, you're building me up. You're building me up. For this Just year. to knock you down, man. <laughs> so d- d- this is, uh, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. I, it, most, I think most people I talk to, most of our client base, when I mention Delcor for one reason or another, they know Delcor. However, for those of you that are listening and may not know what Delcor is, it's a technology management consulting firm, and they're also a managed service provider. Uh, for associations and nonprofits, and and with that, David, can you give us a little, um, little year background and you know a little bit of a history before we start drilling you on technology trends? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me on today. It's very. Oh much wait, let me say this, David. You you, you just thanked me for inviting you on. You had me on your podcast not too long ago either. You've got a podcast called Reboot. It, IT, Reboot IT, and it is an awesome podcast, better than this one, way better than this one. <laughs> and you, you're, you're way more sophisticated. I I'll say that right now. Tom and I have lots of kind of stupid, silly behavior in this. You are way more sophisticated. You when get- we, uh, you get, do my podcast, we drink tea, so it really brings <laughs> Tom and I drink five-hour energies in our podcast. Right, All right, go on. Tell, tell us about your background, David. So I, I actually came into Delcor a few years after Loretta DeLuca had started a company. So she, she founded a company, and then I had my own company in upstate New York, closed that down, moved down here, started working for Loretta. Within a year or so, had equity in the company, and we've been together for about 30 years. Third partner, Brian Sheehan, also joined the company about five years later. And we have uh, been building and, and working in the association community since pretty much the beginning to provide technology management consulting, MSP services that, you know, goes through a whole host of different names in the history. Uh, but that's where we're now, where we are right now. And our main goal is to align an organization of 501c's technology program with their mission, vision, and business objectives. That's what we work, work towards. 
to align their technology with their so give me an example of what that means like bring that down to earth for me sure, like, sure. So, what does it mean to align technology with their vision mission and stuff it's to make sure that the technology is working in a way so we now we're going to get into the it maturity model right that we developed do it bring it on ago. yeah and the whole purpose is to take the areas of technology within the organization infrastructure digital social mobile and web data and it management and governance and figure out if they're in a restrictive state functional state an effective state or a strategic enabling state and the most important thing is to figure out the steps you need to go through in the organization to get from one state to the next so that in the end your technology is supporting what you're trying to accomplish as an organization whether that's uh, you know just safe drinking water or, or providing a profession with um, you know greater visibility or advocacy etc that your technology is helping the organization do that and do things it couldn't do if the technology wasn't aligned or if you want to talk about business objectives right get people tom you just you mentioned in the beginning people to a conference what's the user experience what's mm -hmm. you know all of that has to be aligned so that your your business objective of getting people to a conference can be met so i have a big question for dave hearing that so you know, we talked a little bit before we got online. Wait, wait, wait. When you say Dave, you're referring to me. David. Oh, okay. David, okay. I was okay. expecting, I, I, I was I'll excited make, to get a question. I'll make sure. Well, I got a question for you later on. Don't you worry. All right. So, so David, so we talked before we got online about how we're, how we're kind of entering the digital age. And, and Dave made a comment, you know, I hate, I kind of. Wait a minute. Did you just say we're kind of entering the digital age? No. Well, what year is this? A lot of people look, I'm making a point here on that. A lot of people okay. look at we're, we're kind of entering, we're entering the digital age in a big way now. And what I would really make a, the point is, is that we actually entered the digital age the moment we heard the words, you've got mail. And, they, <laughs> and from here, from that point on, That's awesome. there's yeah. a massive resistance. And now that resistance is closing, 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 closing to where change now can't happen in the next five years. It needs to happen now. And COVID magnified that. So kind of unpack what, what, what kind of resistance and different areas of obstacles are you witnessing in associations as they're trying to now really accelerate this to get ahead of the change? Because if you don't change, I think personally in associations, you're going to be running behind the eight ball trying to keep up with member services and stuff. Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. And I think that, that you hit the nail on the head that there are obstacles more than resistance in terms of, of organizations and our data may be biased because because they come to us to help mm -hmm. them make that progress right and COVID certainly if you take the four areas of the ITA maturity model and you take infrastructure for example COVID certainly highlighted where you were in a restrictive or maybe even a functional state but it wasn't very effective for you because when everyone had to pivot and go to a remote work location and still be able to do the things they could do before that highlighted where the technology wasn't aligned with one of their business objectives. Right. So that was a forced progress, forced maturity in their case, as opposed to uh, if you're talking about other obstacles that, or if you want to talk about obstacles that get in the way, you know, part of it is those legacy systems that organizations have that are just so deeply entrenched in something that they do that's critical to their operations, but will be so painful to pull out that they live with the pain rather than getting through the pain of pulling it out. That's right. often something that, that is an obstacle for an to an organization making progress towards more of a digital customer experience, digital products and services. That's, that's, a, that's a, a key one, I think, though. So Dave, follow up. Now, you're coming at it from a singular technology point of view with one product. 
And I know you, you, you've, re- you've had some resistance in a big way. I mean, so what are the things that you're experiencing as a technology provider talking to associations about specifically, hey, this is a way for you to maximize engagement, conversation. What are you running into that, to get to share some of that resistance with the crowd? Well, it's, it's not a, that's not an easy question to answer because there's going to be a different resistance, I think, for an AMS, like David alluded to, than there would be for like a, uh, a marketing uh, system. You know, what we are providing, I think, to me, one thing that's really interesting about what we're, we're providing is Propule, uh, which we call a conversational engagement platform is it's a new line item in the budget. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not replacing something like an AMS. And so the resistance, it, when you're creating a new line item, that means you're creating something new in this space. Otherwise, you're replacing something. So either you're replacing something or creating something new. We're creating something new. So the resistance we see is like, oh, geez, we don't have a budget item for that. So we got to figure out where do we getting our reserves or whatever, we got to figure out how we're going to pay for something new. That's one thing. Second thing that we run into is like this concept of understanding your, uh, this new concept. That's the second thing is what is this concept that's different than anybody's done before? And then the third thing is like, okay, we got a new concept. We got the money maybe, but do we have the mind space or the people time to apply to it? So it's budget, uh, an understanding of the of the gain and the people associated with making it happen. Those are the yeah. hurdles that we run into. So as someone doing all that stuff for, for, for David and you, for people listening in on this, I want to take a little bit different facet to it. So as we grow and expand and there's not enough people out there to hire, and we're seeing that tremendously, even in the association, I just talked before we got on here about anyone just looking for an assistant marketing director is having a real challenge finding that person. And a membership engagement officer is beginning to become a big deal because of the growth and this whole engagement strategy kind of thing, building value. So I'd make the contention that, you know, what they would invest in Propio is not necessarily, or any of David's stuff in some instances, is not necessarily a new line item. It's a new way of doing it that keeps you from having to hire somebody for 40 grand to do that work manually. That's another way to look backwards at it so that, you know, you're making your current staff that much more efficient so they can get more done and you're going to be saving the the net of that instead of hiring someone for 40 grand salary. Let's say the program costs 20 grand for somebody for pop or something. David, David's company offers. You're actually saving money and making your staff much more efficient. So I, I think there's a story there to be told that a lot of associates, because I'm with you, a lot of, a lot of boards just look at a raw thing. It's going to cost us 20 more grand, but they're not looking at what are we going to save in the next five years of if we implement that, would you say that's a, a, a good pathway, David, to look how to look at technology? I do, and I think that's part of the obstacles. Also, is is there's a legacy culture and perspective of um, perhaps a lack of of looking at automation as the solution, as opposed to additional resources as the solution. I, I, I kid you not. I do not make this up. I was at a board meeting with a CEO, and we were uh, looking for funding for a large IT project that dealt with a lot of integrations that we thought needed to occur. And one of the board members actually said. I don't care how many times they need to redo it manually to get us this information. That's their job. I would rather have them do their job than spend more money on this. Wow. And so it's out there as a, yeah. as a mindset. And that's an obstacle to making progress too. To your point, Tom, I, automation is a huge opportunity within the community 
of taking things, especially when you take uh, you know data analytics or when we're ready, AI or machine learning, et cetera, into account and having that do some of the work as having a system do some of the work as opposed to a person, that'll make a big difference when that mindset's there. The, the person, anybody that starts a sentence with, I don't care, yeah, yeah, right, dot, right. dot, dot, it's, it's right. falls in the same category as, I don't mean to interrupt, but, or yeah. not to be racist, but, and yeah. it's like, it's like one of these prefaces that leads up and you can, I can tell you right now, anybody that says stuff like that is just a blowhard. It's like somehow they are the obstacle now. They are the thing to right. overcome. Well, that, that's when you close the book and say, you know what? It looks like you're just not the type of association that we're ready to do business with. Thank you for your time. Well, <laughs> that, that, that happens. Your job yeah. to care. That's your whole job is to right. care exactly. as a board member. Exactly. <laughs> so David, can you tell me, I mean, you, you work with, a ton. I mean, you're, you're quite a big organization, Delcor, in in our space, and you've worked with hundreds, if not thousands, of associations over the years. Probably thousands at this point. What do you see currently as some of the bigger trends in the association space? And then, Tom, if you don't mind, I have a follow up question after this one too that mm -hmm. I want to ask. Sure. So I think the biggest trend right now, and I'm sure you see it, is the you know digital transformation, right? That's, that's what, and this is a good thing. There's been posts, I've seen tweets, I've seen written on posters at an annual meeting, you know, ban digital transformation as a term, it's meaningless, blah, blah, blah. I don't think so. I think digital transformation is a fine term because that's what organizations need to go through. They need to stop for, they need to consider themselves a digital products and services company first and an association second. Right. So hmm. that, that can be the heart of, of what the trend is right now, as far as digital transformation is concerned, instead of figuring out how to, a great example, we just went through with COVID instead of taking something like this is our event and this is how we did it before. Let's figure out how to do the exact same thing online. Right. Let's have breakout rooms. Let's have speakers in each room. And no, let's think about what digital technology allows us to create that we couldn't create before in the analog world so that we have a digital product for the digital customers, as well as we can have the analog product for the analog customers. But, but we need to really convince organizations to think of the digital part first in terms of what they're able to accomplish with technology. And do you, uh, this is not my follow-up, but I'm gonna ask anyway, do you- It is your follow-up. Uh, do you, at Delcor, do you guys facilitate that conversation with leadership or with boards in terms of what does digital transformation look like for us? Yes, that's a great question. And that's, what has, that's where it has to start. What are we really trying to accomplish? What problems are we trying to solve? What business objectives are we trying to create as we have this conversation? We are part of the team. And this is another trend within the uh, association nonprofit community because our clients are associations, foundations, nonprofits, any uh, the 501c category, right, is, is where we play. And the other trend in it is that more organizations are looking for CIO level support whether it's by hiring a CIO or bringing in a CIO consultant, they're looking for that type of leadership that then brings the questions that you're just asking Dave to the table with the board of what, what can we accomplish different and differently through technology than what we've accomplished in our past. Then it gets back to the other obstacles that Tom, you kind of, you surfaced with the legacy systems, the existing, this is how we do it the lack of automation as far as your, your uh, framework for thinking about things, well, that's where that holds it back. But the first one is the getting that CIO perspective 
in the organization's way of thinking and looking at yourself as a digital products and services company first. Can How I explain that one more second? Because I think yeah. that there's something important there. It used to be that IT was the order taker, right? Tell me what you want. Right. I'll go find something or I'll build it. And then you will use it. Now it's tell me what you're trying to, if, if it's being done right, in my opinion, tell me what you're trying to accomplish. Describe it to me. Let's talk about it. Let me influence your vision before you put it down in ink because I know things that technology can do that you might not know as a CIO. And then we'll finish the vision together. Then we'll figure out what the actual solution is. That's a very different thing from being an order taker. Now you're part of the solution or product design conversation, if that makes sense. That's what's happening in associations as a trend and it's a really good thing. That's really interesting. And, and I'm very curious in your perspective on this next question I have because Tom asked about hurdles that we overcome or have to overcome as a provider of technology, right? A, a, a platform. One of the things I've been noticing is there tends to be resistance from, for lack of a better word, uh, information systems or IT, right? So you have, you have membership, you have marketing, you have uh, leadership, communications. Oftentimes the people that choose, they like, our platform, Propule, are either membership, marketing, or communications. Like somebody in that sphere is saying, I really want that product. What happens in some scenarios is IT says, whoa, hold, take a step back. We got things, we can do this other ways, or we can build this ourselves, or like basically they, they and a lot of times they're like, we don't have time for this. Step back. Is that a good reaction? because what they're trying to do is kind of take a bird's eye view at, at to all the plat. I mean, it seems to me that's a good reaction. I just don't like it. It's annoying, <laughs> yeah. but, but it, are you suggesting that is a good approach is to take a step back? No. Uh, I think the good, I, I think a nuanced version of that, a nuanced answer way to approach it is you've identified you, the, you know, business unit X, a need or a value, a need you have or a value and a solution that you're seeing. I want to understand that because I need to fit it into our overall enterprise architecture, understand how it fits as, as the IT group. We need to figure out how it fits into the security of the organization. And maybe it's minimal, maybe it's a big deal. We need to figure out what the integrations need to be and what's, so that you can get the most you can get out of this solution. And most importantly, we have a project portfolio. If we know what we're doing in IT, we have a project portfolio and we have our roadmap so you need to help me or the business units need to help me figure out where this gets prioritized in. Maybe something comes out and I don't have to say no, take a step back, we're already busy. I can say, yes, we can take it on in two months because we're not going to do this in three months like we thought we were because this is a higher priority towards our mission, vision and business mm. objectives. That's, so that's a much more collaborative approach than the way I positioned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's, here's my, my true follow-up question and it's a little <laughs> bit, and then Tom onto you, uh, because I know you, you I'm sure you have uh, like when you're talking, I have so many questions I want to ask. So I'm sure you're doing the same thing. You I'm probably got three or bit. four. Okay. I got one more here and then I'm passed back to you. Um, and this is, I'm a little nervous to ask this question because it's, uh, it's a little <clears throat> offensive to associations, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I think most association leaders listening might nod a little and say, yeah, it's kind of true. Think generally associations are about 10 years behind other industries in technology. Is that fair to say, would you disagree with that? 
and why do you think it is? Uh, mileage varies. More organizations are coming on board with thinking about technology differently. And I think that goes back to two things, the digital transformation concept and having more CI level support within the industry, within the community. 15, 20 years ago, you know, there were four CIOs in the association community. Now organizations, regardless of size, either have input from a fractional CIO or a CIO on staff. Many do. So I think that's changing, Dave, in terms of um, understanding what the impact of that is and, and really getting uh, making progress. And so it's not that they're 10 years behind. And I'll be honest, I don't have a great gauge because when I see what the association use as examples of who they want to be, sometimes I don't think they're as far off as they think they are from, you know, the Amazon experience or whatever, which in my opinion is not great, but, you know, they, they look at these, these, um, for-profit industries who have been very successful, but not necessarily in a way that an association or nonprofit should mimic, in my opinion. I completely, utterly agree with that. We talk about mimicking Amazon, but Amazon is about selling a product as a transaction to a consumer, whereas associations need to foster relationships. Mm -hmm. Associations are about people and matching people, about engaging and interact. It's a it's a, it's a much more people oriented business than Amazon. But uh, I, yeah, I diverge. So, so Tom, what do you got? So, I, so, so I think that conversation boils down to and a lot. And David, David Correll, you correct me if I'm wrong, but having networked with thousands of association execs across the country, I think it boils down to people change and budget. I think the typical association board and, and many staff our resistance to technology changes because they they go to work every day and they know the system today that they're using and to bring something else in you may be trying to automate me out and i think the whole the key phrase that everyone even you dave is you, you look at what you just talked about the resistance you get automating a process is really not about any a lot of people feel that's about replacing something and it's not about expanding capacity i think that's what a board needs to hear that's what a staff needs to hear is we're not about going back to the it person this resistance to the to your prop fuel all we're trying to do is expand your membership department's capacity, you know, and I think that those are, those are key phrasings that people need to look at, but I think it boils down to budget. Like you said, Dave, you're putting in a new line item. We've not, we've not let budget be an issue at all in our association. I mean, David came to us or Dave will, and he's presented his prop field to us and I've known him since he started it. And, you know, I knew we needed to have that because I could see immediately how it was going to help expand our capacity to reach members in a different way for engagement. But, you know, you, you still have to figure out how to pay for it at the end of the day. It might save us some money long term, but what we're looking at is our budget today to invest in that. So, so I think a lot of this goes back to um, convincing people they have to change in order to meet the needs of the members in the future. And they got to figure out how to pay for that budget stuff and, and make way for it. Otherwise, they're going to fall behind in a lot of cases. I agree. I know those are three really good points of, of, of where some of the I don't want to say obstacle is too strong a word, but, but where, where some of the, the thinking is changing and that's a good thing. Well, for me and our board, we've never had, our board has never resisted any technology shifts because I, what I have chosen to do is tell a story to the board. Like when, in 2007 was when private communities first hit the world of associations. And as I was doing it, I never went to them and said, hey, we want to create a Facebook style program for our association because immediately what are they going to do? That's for the young people. We don't do that. I basically went into my board and said, hey, how would you like for members that don't come to meetings to have the same cocktail experience connection-wise online? 
24 seven. They're like, you mean like we do at a cocktail party? Yeah, they can meet, they can greet, they can talk. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. And so we put, the, they said, how much is it going to cost? I told them how much. And I said, let's do that. We can fit that in because they recognize that 60% of the people don't come ever to an MTI meeting. And we need to give them the same kind of connection experience as someone who comes all the time. So to me, I think associations, in my view, talking to them as a CEO, they need to just get better at telling the story of the need so that they can make the changes to keep them in, in the future. Yeah, because the story you're telling really is the expansion of the value proposition right. of membership. And that's really, that's another, speaking of which, that's another uh, sometimes obstacle is that we're trying to take a, a technology solution to a value proposition solution. You know, there's a, there's a value proposition that either is no longer of value to a constituency, right. but we're trying to automate it or put it into a technology product services framework and it doesn't work. The organization, and that's why it, it, Dave asked the question earlier, and that's why I said, the, the CIO or we are part of a conversation about this transformation organizations need to go through because we're not a member research or a value and product services research firm. So those out there that provide those types of services to the 501c community really need to be part of the conversation too, to make sure right. that you're creating a digital product and service, like you said, that, that provides a value to a member who doesn't normally come to a meeting but can now connect the same way you could have at a cocktail party. It's a great example, Tom. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, for me, this past meeting we just had, another level of service just came to my mind is, you know, I was trying to text people to get them some information as they arrive. And immediately, and I know the technology is already there, where when you drive up, GPS says you're within 100 yards of the front door. You get a nice little notification that says, hey, Dave, you just arrived at the spring meeting. We want to welcome you. When you go inside, you'll see the a hotel check-in on the left, right, you can go to suite 158. And then, so it, it tells them notifications depending upon where they are and what time it is during the meeting. I'm like, man, I, I want, that would be so slick to do that. And I know that technology already exists, but it's one of those things we have to convince a board that's going to make staff much more efficient, expand our capacity to keep members in informed during a meeting for sure. Yeah. Hey, David, uh, you've mentioned uh, CIO many times, but I, I kind of think about I, I use the the acronym CTO a lot. Is there a difference? Like, what's the difference between a CTO and a CIO? It, there is a difference, and it gets muddled. It's a great question, and and in our world, the way and it can be defined however the organization wants to, right? So they might call somebody a CTO that we would call a CIO, and that's okay. It's not a standard, but generally, the way we think about it is the CIO is about the products and services, right? The I, the information piece, is about what we're doing with our data in how the organization's information currency is being used internally and externally. The CTO is more about the technology itself, you know, and, and they, they do blend as far as the organization's technology strategy supporting the mission, vision, and, and strategic plan of the organization. So the tech, but, but when we talk about CTOs, historically, they were things that plugged in cloud services you know, what we're using from a technology products and services backend perspective, as opposed to the CIO being more product and service driven or, or mm. oriented in the conversations. Okay. So I got kind of a follow-up question to that specifically, Dave. So uh, David, I've heard a couple of people that are some pretty big deals in cybersecurity that we've met talk about how IT is not cybersecurity. There's very specific things that cybersecurity knowledge base that you need to have. So a lot of people would just go to their IT guy and say, hey, I, we need to be security compliant with NIST 800, whatever the, the standards. And they really don't 
have that knowledge. So what, what would you encourage people when they're looking at their, their connectivity? What's the next steps you need to be looking at when it comes to this? Because cybersecurity is when you're, you're connected, that's a huge deal. Yeah, I love that question, Tom, because you're exactly right. Cybersecurity, like so many things, is IT's job, and it's not. You know, right. we talk about, you know, we have a CSSO, we have uh, ethical hackers on staff that, that all are part of our cybersecurity audit system, our audit services. And this is, it's a great question because it's something the association nonprofit community isn't paying enough attention to mm-hmm. because they don't think they're targets and it has nothing to do with the, you know, target, the store being a target or um, some large retail chain being a target, et cetera. It has to do with ease of access to right. um, whether it's a, a, you know, cryptoware or whatever it is. But to answer your question, you know, the, the what organizations need to do is start building a culture of cybersecurity within the organization throughout the whole organization. The CEO, the executive director needs to pay attention to it and talk about it. Every staff position has to have competencies. You should have some type of tool in place like no before that allows you to test phishing, which is the most common right type, type of way that organizations get in trouble is through phishing uh, attacks. It's got, it, it's the IT has a role, but they're one part of the cybersecurity platform program culture within an organization. Right. Hey, David, um, d- tell me about a flop over the past 20, 30 years. What'd you say, 30 years you've been doing this? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm over 30, I think. It was. With associations. That's amazing. So, okay, in the past 30 years, what's something you saw in the industry like that people got all excited about that that was a flop? And I, I could tell you one if you want to think a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Google that Wave I've, came to mind right away, but go ahead. What is too specific. Google Wave, but that might be too specific. Uh, so, no, it's not too specific. That's, that's fine. I was thinking like Second Life. You remember yeah. Second Life, and and <laughs> here's 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 what's super interesting to me about Second Life is I still see a lot of these conference platforms trying to mimic mm-hmm. like yeah. the stuff we saw in Second Life of people flying through, and that some people love it. Some people, some of our friends, yeah. love yeah. it. Yeah, I it drives me bonkers. Like yeah. it absolutely drives me bonkers. And some people either love it or hate it, but to me, Second Life in the world of associations that never took off no it didn't but you're seeing success now in and you, you just mentioned earlier we're 10 years behind you're seeing success in commercial ventures where um, media stars are hosting events in virtual reality in things like uh, what's it called the animal crossing not second life but so there there are some successes commercially that are starting pointing to point to larger audiences mm-hmm. capable of attending an event because a venue size isn't a restriction and travel isn't required. So it's really interesting to ask that. We, we just started playing with Oculus here at the, at the office. There's five of us who- Now explain what Oculus is for the listeners. Virtual reality headset. And me. Powered by uh, Facebook and so you have when you have the headset on your brain it's scary how quickly your brain is tricked into thinking what you're seeing is real real limitation on the human brain where i've seen people almost fall down when they're on a swing or a roller coaster or something if they're standing but we're not using it for that we're today at four there are five of us here who are going to veer uh meet in vr it's a virtual reality meeting room with whiteboards and and you can put up files you can write on the whiteboard and save it etc you can create objects in 3d 
with your peers in the room to start to look at not is this a, just a cool way to do something that we normally would have done in person or could do on Zoom, but does this allow us, back to the, the maturity, right? Does this allow us to do things we couldn't have done or not just that we're tired of doing in 2D on these Zoom calls, but the things that we can't do on this that still bridges a gap for those who can't travel or venue size is a restriction. I want to know so more about that. that. I think I think Second Life was ahead of its time. It didn't have a value right. yet. It just didn't yeah. have a factor. Yeah, I want to know right. more about that as you test that out because I could I could see great applications for that, especially um, for my team where we have a you know we're all in different parts of the country. Yeah. We expect to be that way for a long time. We meet over Zoom be really cool to meet with the oculus goggles on but i'm not sure i'd love to hear there, what your experience is factor to it too i mean there yeah, is sure is. exciting this is something new you know as a kid well yeah. it is the next wave of training for the say the manufacturing hands-on because you could you could i mean think about being able to put virtual glasses on and go to a car say you're an auto technician or an iron industry the heat treating you're at the furnace and you're sitting there you're toying with it right there in real time and video virtual reality teaching someone how to do it so when they go to the real one it's like they were already there. So I think that's the next wave for 2030. We're going to see that's the wave of training in a lot of hands-on industries because you can make it look very hands-on. But you know the story behind Oculus, Dave? No, I do not. It was started by a associate degree college student. And within two and a half years, Facebook bought it for $2.5 billion within two and a half years by a 22-year-old. It's crazy. That's awesome. It's David, you started to say, I, I, I give you my flop. You started to say Google Wave. Is that what you said? Yeah. I, what, what, it, what was Google Wave? It sounds familiar. I just can't place it. I think it was another, uh, you know, that's how much of a flop it was. I remember everyone was so excited about it when it first came out. It was going to be the new meeting hangout type place. Oh, yeah. Right. And it, it just, maybe it was ahead of its time. Maybe the user experience was poor. I don't remember. But I do remember all this talk about it on Collaborate in particular, about how it's going to take the place of this, that, and the other. And two years later, it was just gone. So, you know, we could have a whole conversation, I think, about uh, failures and in, in innovation. And Google, that's something I'll, I, I want to give them credit for, is they spend a lot of energy and money toying and playing with things. Mm -hmm. And they have no problem publicly admitting defeat and shutting it down yeah and i love that about google they do it a lot they've done that the one, for a lot of products because the one thing that works makes them 10 billion dollars <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can admit publicly when everything when one thing works really well all right tom before we get into our typical wrap up uh do you have anything else you want to ask david or or do you want to jump into that final question well yeah, before we do that just just stay, i mean people are going to listen to this and they're, they're going to be at that first step. They're not even at the step yet. So what would be yeah. the, like the first three steps you would say, look, if you walk away from this and you want to catch up and get into what's going to make you very effective from a technology point of view, what's kind of the first three steps you need to take in the next 90 days? Uh, it's a great question. I think it depends on where you are in, in your organization right now. Either if things are on fire, right? I'm going to get one of two options. If things Like are on I'm fire in a good way or on fire in a bad way? Fire in a bad way. Oh, yeah. If, if you have a, uh, what do you call it, dumpster fire situation mm -hmm. going on, right? <laughs> and that kind of fire, what you need to do is have something like I was talking about earlier, CIO level support, helping you figure out how many fires you have and which ones are the priorities to put out and move forward. Maybe it's a time to your question earlier. Maybe it's cybersecurity related. Mm -hmm. You paid no attention to this. 
you've had an incident or had a scare and now you know this is a fire that needs to be put out. There's that approach where it's, these things are on fire, these are the priorities, these things can wait, these things can really wait, right? As you're putting out the first fire, you're determining that. The other first step organizations can take is to do some type of assessment. Uh, that That's really, in, in whether it's the IT maturity model or any of the other ones that are out in the association nonprofit community to figure out where they are currently as opposed to where they're trying to get and what the steps in between are. You need a organized programmatic approach and well-communicated, well-understood approach to your, your, we call it a technology alignment portfolio, the projects and the initiatives, the resources required, et cetera, that are in front of you to get to where you're going. That would be the one of the one of those two things would be a step you would need to take in my opinion. Where where can uh, I love? I've seen the IT maturity uh, model. Is is it the uh, where can people go to to see that? Is there a blog post? Is there a place? There's on all site? sorts of uh, on Delcor.com. There's there is all sorts of information about it. Uh, you know, there's some white papers. The ASA used it as a framework for research. It's a little old now. I think it was 2016. And those uh, IT readiness assessment white papers are still available in ASAE's um, in ASAE's library because they use this framework to go out and do a research project in the community, and that yielded some results. But it's good stuff that still, for a lot of associations and nonprofits, certainly would apply. So I, I just found this Delcor IT maturity model assessment, um, and it's a white paper you can download. Yeah. Uh, so if you just Google Delcor IT maturity model assessment, I think you'll get access to this thing. All right, so what we tend to do is at the end of these things is we go around the horn and we say, what's your key takeaway from the conversation today? So we, and, and out of respect, because we don't tell you about that in advance, we're gonna give you a minute to think about it. Tom, why don't you go first? So my takeaway is, you know, and, and some of the keynotes I, do, keynotes I do, I talk about innovation and big books have been written on innovation. I kind of boil it down to three, three quick things. What does your customers want? What's viable in the marketplace? And the big one is what's possible with technology. And that's the big key one because like Dave, I like what Dave said when he first started talking that it's imperative that whatever you do from a technology standpoint, it must meet, take you to the place you want to go in your strategic plan. Cause that's where you said you wanted to go. And so it's, for instance, if we wanted to grow our engagement from 50% of our members to be engaged in two or more programs to 70%, well, we've either got to have a human being do that, or we got to have a piece of technology that bridges the gap. So I think that's the most important thing to take away from here is look at your strategic plan and your engagement plan and your goals as an association and do that assessment that Dave Coriel talked about to make sure that you have everything in place because it's either humans or technology taking you to that place. And you got to decide which one you're going to be willing to pay for and how you're going to get there. I, I took away a ton of things. like and, and it's unusual that I have a conversation with David without walking away a little richer from it. Like I love the Oculus. <laughs> missing from my wallet. Well, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> taking any of your money. I mean, I, I mean, uh, uh, intellectually richer. And, they, and but I love the Oculus thing. Right now. <laughs> I love the Oculus thing. I love the understanding of CIO versus CTO better. There's a lot of little things like that. But the thing that I, I think is sticks with me and probably will stick with me more is when I hear that phrase digital transformation, I will not roll my eyes anymore. Because I was one of those people is like, oh my God, it's just so vague. What does that mean? Well, you answered that question for me. What does that mean? And 
And I think it's a, it was a really cool explanation. And I have so much respect for you, Dave, that you could have just spewed garbage. And I would be like, oh, if David says it's okay, then I like it. So anyway, but digital transformation, that's, that's my key takeaway. All right, David, your turn. What, what is the key takeaway? Yeah, what's your, what's your key takeaway? What is your brilliant thing that you said do you like the most? <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say anything brilliant that I like the most. So, uh, first of all, what do you I'm like most about you, yourself? You're, you're, not only are you smart, but you're, you're and, and engaged in the same community that we are, but you're the most complementary or complimentive. I'm not sure what the right word is. Uh, to, well, to we talk. make up words Every in here, we by talk, the way. I walk away feeling good, and I hope you do too, because I really oh, appreciate not only, and I, I, I mentioned this to others, not only everything that you two both provide to the community, but the insights that you share on this podcast and when you're guests and on panels and so on otherwise. So, other, otherwise. so I really, um, I don't want to turn it into a mutual admiration side, but you know. Why not? I love it. I don't mind turning a mutual admiration. You're pretty. No, you're pretty. So, so, right. so but I, I will say this comes that. from this. I think what, what we're talking about though, this love fest here, it, it does come from, it comes from the heart. It's an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. I'm a very emotional person, obviously, uh, but it comes from having a passion for what we do. It, and it comes from having respect for people in the industry. It comes from a love for what we do. I really, really, really sincerely love working in the association space. I'm, I'm in a, I may be on the vendor side, uh, as are, you're on the services side. I'm on the a software side. Tom's on the, on the association side. But we're all association professionals and i just love the space and that's i think that's where this comes from when we get in these conversations this pure intrigue and curiosity and respect for each other well so, when, me, when me and dave first took up to think about this you know our association is just a small four-person association and i really tout the number that we've grown 2600 percent in net worth in the last 15 years because we have done it with the same four people no added staff in that and so i'm a, I'm a we're a walking example of how you can really grow if you put your nose to the grindstone, work hard and put technology in the right places. And, and the, it goes back to me and Dave said, how can we turn associations into business savvy people who really can do this? Because we've done it. And that's where kind of my passion comes to. And I love doing this with Dave to really let associations know that there's big hope out there. It doesn't matter what size you are. If you really do it right, you can do all these things if you want, but you got to have a plan for it. And, you know, having suppliers like you, Dave, and your company, Delcor, that help people do that. That makes it even more exciting for us to bring you on online. All right, David, key takeaway. Uh, something you brought up when you said, you know, the reaction of department of no, which used to be it's job. Also, mm -hmm. we were in the department of no. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so the key takeaway is we have more work to do. Part of what we're trying to do is not only provide products and services, right. But because we, we have been around a long time, there are 80 staff. We're here in Chicago, right? We, we're here in DCN in Chicago. So we, we feel like part of our job is to influence the community in a positive direction when we can. And I think that's a great example of where we have more work to do then because it shouldn't be department of no, it should be department of how, why, and how. I like right. that. Love it. So we have work to do there. David Coriel from Delcor. Thank you. That's D E L C O R. Thank you so much for, for being with Tom and me today. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate it. And, uh, I, I, I like I said, I, I like the podcast. I like everything you two do. So thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, David. Association Strong, my friend, rises again, Dave. We have, our guests just make us look like heroes out there. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. 
If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.